0: A few weeks back, I was taking a walk on a balmy February afternoon. You remember those days, right? 80 degrees, February. I was walking through the neighborhoods behind the church here, and I was on a sidewalk, and as it wound around up a hill, there was a young man coming toward me on that very same path, and it was one of those sidewalks that's only... Uh, It only so wide that you can't, you have to really get like this if you're going to pass one another. And he was walking straight toward me and he wasn't moving to the side and and the mud on either side was there because of the snow melt in February. And so I paused and noticed then as he came closer that he was walking toward me because his eyes were firmly glued to his cell phone. So I figured, I'm just going to see how this uh, plays out. And I just stood there. He got about eight inches from crashing into me. And I said, hey, (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then I said, you know, young man, you ought to look up from your cell phone now and then to see where you're going. Golly, old timer, thanks for that advice. (laughs) Now he didn't say that, but I'm sure that's what he was thinking. I was out on that walk on a Tuesday afternoon at 2.30, which is when we normally meet for our staff meetings here at the church because I was praying that God would help me see what I needed to see in order to be a good leader for this church. Uh, Starting in January and February, uh, every week that we met as a staff, we were doing the same thing. We were trying to find out what is God calling us to in this year ahead. And uh, We looked at the year behind us. We talked about our goals and how we did. We thought about the details of where we are right now. Many of your names came up as we sat together week after week trying to figure out where God was sending us. On the 13th of February, I sat down with the staff at one o'clock and I told them, in order for us to find where we should go, we need to seek God's guidance. And so I asked every staff member to take one hour and in in whatever way worked for them to pray asking for God's guidance. Have any of you here ever prayed where it's not just you asking, but you're trying to listen for God? Has anyone here ever done that? It's hard to do because your mind will be filled with all kinds of other thoughts. And so I said, let's carve an hour out at the staff meeting. And wherever you need to go, go there and ask God what you need to see for where he's sending our church. Ask God to show you what you are ignoring that you need to pay attention to. Um, Ask God to open your ears to hear what he wants you to hear. Now it's 2.30, I'm walking up the sidewalk and I am saying to myself, God, I'm saying it out loud, people think I'm talking to me, I'm talking to God. God, help me see what you want me to see so that I can be a faithful leader at Renaissance. And that's when this kid comes walking to me. And and I, I wouldn't have guessed it, but God answered my prayer through a distracted teenager. And the answer was, Christian, make sure... That altogether, you take your eyes up now and then from what you're looking at so you can pay attention to where you're going. And that's what we need to do as a church. And that's what we're gonna start this morning is between now and Easter, a way of paying attention to where we are going to be headed together in 2018. When I came back from that prayer time, we sat together, I listened to the staff, I heard what they were listening to. And in the next week or so, it came clear to me that if I had to capture Where we are going in just three words in this year ahead, it would be in these three words. They're gonna be here on the side screen. We are going to gather and we are going to grow and we are going to go. And that's going to be our work together. Now, when you arrived this morning, if you're here for the first Sunday, you thought, this church is pretty, pretty slick, but how slick are they? There's alliteration in their mission statement. Wow, right? Three Gs, that's awesome. Let me unfold them, okay, for a minute. So you see, they're not just together because of the letters they start with. The first word, gather, in 2018, one of the main goals that we're going to have together as a church is that we will gather to see Jesus. When we come together on Sunday morning like this, uh, when there's music, when there's prayer, when there is uh, singing together, when we listen and when we learn, our hope is that every single one of you who's gathered here will in some measure have the experience of seeing Jesus for having chosen to be here. And that's one thing we're going to work out in this year. And we're going to work at that because we think there's nothing better to see Than Jesus. And it's not just here, by the way. Downstairs right now, some of your children are gathering. Our hope is that they will see Jesus as they meet together with Kristen and with the other teachers. The students, middle school, high school students, when they gather in the morning, when they gather in the evening, the goal will be the same that their coming together would result in their seeing Jesus. And that's one of our chief goals in this year ahead of us. Now, there's a reason we want people to see Jesus, and there's something we anticipate. And I expect this for every one of you, no matter where you are, when a person sees Jesus, that person changes, and namely, they change in such a way that they grow to follow Jesus. And some of you are following him already, others of you maybe not, but I want you to understand this, that when a person sees Jesus, really, uh, not a flimsy false picture of him peddled by some religious huckster, but a real picture of Jesus. When you see him, it is so attractive and magnetic that you will want to change so that you go with him, so that you begin to follow him. And that will be our second aim in the year ahead of us is that our seeing Jesus in whichever way we see him will result in our growing to follow him. If you choose to go to the foundations class where you hear about God's story and you begin to compare it and and see how it overlaps with your story, our hope is that there you will grow to begin following Jesus. If you choose to sign up for a connect group, how many of you were in connect groups? Our hope is that your being together talking about what happened on Sunday wouldn't just be fun and, and, and good uh, for getting to know people, although we want that, but our hope is that it would cause you to grow to follow him better so that you'd move forward. Uh, if you're in a small group, Uh, if you get together to study the Bible with men, if you gather with the women in this community, if you gather with moms, if you're a child and you gather during the week, all of those gatherings aim at your growing so that you will follow Jesus. That is going to be a second organizing goal for us in 2018. And here is the third. That word go is chosen very simply because when a person grows to follow Jesus, they will always become someone who goes out into the world in such a way that they go to show Jesus. That is, they leave behind this moment of being transformed by him and changed so that when they head out into the world around them, they shine like a light in the darkness. That's an image from scripture. They go out so they look different And they look different in a way not that attracts attention to them, but to Jesus. Picture this, please, right? You leave the time of gathering here and growing to follow Jesus. The hope is that you would go out into the world on this very day in a way that you would show people what Jesus is like with your patience, with your kindness, with your uh, understanding that you extend. Uh, there's a hope that your gathering in your small group would lead you to go off into work in a different way so that you're not operating just like everyone else in your industry. You have integrity that speaks of something deeper than just you, that's showing Jesus. In your school that you'll go to, where there are many opportunities for you to be different than the kids around you in a way that shows what Jesus is like, our hope is that our gathering and our growth would send you so that you go and show him. Uh, Picture this. You go to Trenton to feed a hungry person or you make a meal for a hungry family in Summit. You're showing Jesus. Uh, you gather gifts for kids at Christmas time who don't have families, they're, uh, they're in foster care. You are showing them Jesus. You decide to go run in Brooklyn on a half marathon because you're totally out of your mind. Why would you run? We have cars people, but you do that and you do that to raise money for, for people in Africa to, to provide water. You go to Guatemala Uh, to dig a foundation and build a schoolhouse in a village in the mountains. And you're going to show Jesus. So these three, these three are what I offer to you now and will dwell on in the weeks ahead as an answer to the question of where are we going. Uh, That moment of prayer for me led me to the place where I can say, we are going to gather to see Jesus We're gonna grow to follow Jesus, and we're gonna go to show Jesus. Would anybody in here be disappointed if I didn't ask you to repeat these three all together with gusto? Because I'm not gonna ask. I'm not that guy, all right? But there's something beyond the letter G which holds them all together. And I am gonna ask you, what connects these three beyond just all starting with G? Help me here. They're all about Jesus. Listen, we are going to be centered on Jesus. Jesus. And I'm gonna tell you why. And and this, in my mind, this has less to do with this church than what is the most crucial and critical fact of your existence. You were made to center your life on Jesus. That's not just true about people who are interested in coming to church on Sunday. Because God loved the world so much that he gave his only son. You know this passage, some of you from scripture? Because that's true, it means that there is not a single human being who's ever lived or ever will live, who wasn't made actually to center their life on Jesus so that they will have the life which he alone has and has given out of love for absolutely everybody. And if you are going to come alive as God meant you to, it will happen when you see Jesus and when you see Jesus in a way that you grow to follow him and then you become a person that he uses to show others who he is. It's what you were made for. If as I say this, you have a little bit of a flame in your heart that awakens, that's not me. That's the spirit telling you, Yes, listen, this is what you were made for. Do some of you feel it? So together, we are going to come again and again each week to see how this is so. Not because I say so, or because our staff decided it, or because all three letters start with G and you can push Jesus in there and have something snappy. No, because, here's why, because when you look at Jesus and you see his way of being, you see that this is exactly what he did. Okay, here we go, you ready? He went out to gather people so they would see him. He wanted them to see him so that they would change and and choose to go through life with him now. And as he did that with them, he wanted them to become those men and women who went out into the world to bring others onto that same path, okay? If you're there already, let's decide that this is gonna strengthen us to walk on that path even better, okay? And to wherever we go after this Sunday to do it with more love in our hearts. If you're not on that path, watch. So, so try your best to open your eyes and pay attention. I, I hope that God will invite you and then you will become someone who gets caught up in this, this cycle. Uh, this morning, it's in the book of Matthew that we will begin our observation of how Jesus operated in this way. In chapter four of Matthew, uh, we get really a picture of the first public ministry that Jesus endeavored on. He uh, had been baptized himself. He went into the wilderness for 40 days. He came out of the wilderness, and the first thing he did is he started to gather some followers, and that's where we begin, right? Right? Gather. So if you would uh, find your way either to Matthew chapter four, verse 18, or the text will be up here, uh, let's take our time to see how Jesus operated. Matthew 4:18 reads like this: As Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Uh, This is an extremely ordinary scene in the first century. Uh, All around, there would be men whose job was to catch fish. And the scene opens with Jesus coming into the place where there are two men who are at work. And so they're throwing their nets into the sea. And so far, completely and utterly ordinary. And then, as Jesus approaches them, this is what happens. This is verse 19. And he said to them, follow me, And I will make you fish for people. Now, it is only uh, people who've gone to church long enough to think, well, since it's in the Bible, it's supposed to be special and meaningful, who don't think this is just plain weird. I'm serious, right? Just try to picture this. You are at work in your office, a stranger comes in, and you're typing. Hey, come with me. I'll make you type for people. It's just bizarre. Uh, whatever work you do, if you would try to imagine what it would be like to have a complete and total stranger just saunter in and suggest to you that it's time to check out and come in this new way, it would be odd for you. And that's what's happening here. Jesus approaches these men and he says very, very definitely, it's time for you to leave this behind and come with me. I've got something new for you to do. Now, this is what happens. This is verse 20. Immediately they left their nets and followed him now something happened which is hard to understand if it seems too easy and obvious you haven't seen it yet there is something extraordinary happening here because before this moment he was a stranger but now he's caused them to leave their work and go off in a new direction in life something magnificent has just taken place a major transformation Now, the story continues in verse 21. As he went from there, now it's Jesus and Andrew and his brother Simon, who will eventually be called Peter. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers. It sounds familiar, right? James, son of Zebedee, cool name, and his brother John in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. Now, again, we have two brothers Again, their job is fishing. Again, Jesus approaching, uh, approaches them while they're at work. This time, there's a boat and a dad. And just like the first time, here's what it says, and he called them. Uh, we're to imagine that Jesus said virtually the same thing. Follow me and I've got something new for you to do. And the outcome in verse 22, immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. This time, it, it's, it requires them to leave even more, but again, the same uh, extraordinary outcome, they choose to go along with Jesus. Can you imagine that? Someone right now is like, my work is so annoying, it wouldn't take anything at all. Someone could walk into my office and I'd leave instantly. <laughs> You're just waiting for this guy to come in and invite you, right? But that's not what happens here. What happens here is hard for us to see because our eyes are so far away from the, 20, from the first century, all these 21 centuries later. But with these fishermen and the first readers, when they hear this rabbi Jesus, he already looks like a teacher, say these words to them. Look again at what he says. He says these words. Uh, he says, follow me. What they hear rings in their ears with a familiarity that's hard for us to grasp. Let me explain. Uh, in the first century, the way it worked is Jewish families would gather at the synagogue to worship God and to learn about God. The children would uh, go off to receive instruction in the Torah. Have you heard that word? The, the first five books of what we call the Old Testament, this is the way of God. Torah means way. Way. Uh, There with the rabbi, the children would receive instruction and they would grow, they would begin to learn. In every one of these little instructional groups, there'd always be one kid who stands out. Uh, Some of you have been in Sunday school where that kid knows all the answers, right? Ooh, don't you want to slug him? Right? There'd be one kid whose pedigree was a little higher. His lineage could be traced back to the right tribe. Uh, He had the right kind of background and wisdom and wit and inevitably as the children grew the kids who showed promise like this they would be singled out while the other kids were off fishing or farming or framing this kid would come and stay behind as the rabbi would go to the temple and now as the rabbi was constructing uh, a, a wisdom and a picture of God for the adults there this young man would stand back and wait for the opportunity to show off to say something wise, to get the attention of the rabbi. Do you know what he's doing at this point? He's building his resume. Any of you waiting for like word back from the colleges you applied to? oh gosh, I'm sorry. You know how you do this? You, you engineer your resume. You, 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 you talk about um, the time that you worked at a paper company where you oversaw the inventory of two billion paper material products, right? That's how you describe your job of stocking the shelves, right? The, the young men start to do that. And the reason they do that is because what they want more than anything else in life is to hear a rabbi, a religious man, a teacher who knows God's way say those two words that they've always dreamed of hearing follow me they want it more than anything else because they want to get on the road where they can see that rabbi and learn how to understand God and it's only the privileged few who get to hear it but do you see how different it is with Jesus he doesn't wait for a resume he doesn't need to see some impressive pedigree at all He doesn't need to see a higher level of intelligence or he doesn't need to see a a, a lineage that goes back to the right family tree. All he needs is to see some people who right now are waiting to be invited into something better than what they're at. And that's every single man and every single woman who's ever lived. And so Jesus... The rabbi goes to them instead of waiting for them to come to him. And he says to them, I want you to follow me. I've decided before you even ever thought of coming with me that I want you to come along so that you can see me. And because this is Jesus' way with his first followers, in 2018, it's gonna be our way that we are going to gather to see Jesus. And we're gonna gather anyone and everyone. We're not gonna wait for someone to come in here and to prove themselves worthy before we decide that together we're gonna work at seeing Jesus and the reason we wanna see Jesus it's the same reason why he went to those men so that they could come and see him is not just so that they would see him but so they they would gather so they would help me out here they would I am asking you now grow in the second service my mom was here she shouted grow I was like yeah mom (laughs) grow he wanted them to come along it's what the other rabbis wanted too but Jesus he wants them to grow in a very specific way And put this story aside for a minute and put our goals as a church aside for a minute, every one of you, you need to grow. You do. And I'm sure... Even if you're not confident about what you believe about God, you can look at yourself and you can say, there are certain things about me that I wish were different that need to change and grow. God sees those. God knows. God is not against you. He's 100% for you and he's coming to you in Jesus to gather you to see him so that you can grow, so that you can grow in confidence, so that you can leave behind anxiety and depression and embrace joy, so that you can stop that same old habit that's always been hampering your growth, so that you wouldn't be so insecure, so that you'd stop comparing yourself to all of the people around you so that you would begin to make wise decisions that are good for you and others. He wants all of that. And so Jesus says, come with me so that you can grow. Here's how we know that he's saying that. I want you to look again at the text, the way that Matthew describes the response in verse 20. Immediately they left their nets and they followed him. In English, followed looks like the same word that Jesus extended when he said, follow me. It's a different word in Greek. In Greek, it looks like this akaluthain. And the thing about Greek is it's a much more expressive language often than English. This word is a compound word. It's made of, the root word is keluthos, which means way or path or road, literally. It's meant to call to mind an actual physical path or a way that you'd walk on or a road that you'd travel on, okay? In the first century, always by foot. So it's meant to depict that. And when the when the prefix, which is an alpha in Greek, is put on front, so it's akalutheo, it means the exact same or identical. And so it means when Jesus invited them, they decided to get on the exact same road as Jesus was on. To walk the identical path that Jesus would walk. To go along now through life in exactly the same way that Jesus would go through life. And their decision to follow him then literally is meant to evoke and present to us what we're called to do, which is to follow Jesus metaphorically on the exact same road. Do you know what I mean when I say metaphorically? We're not gonna walk behind him in that way, but there are other ways to take the same exact road as your teacher. And what we're gonna be about this year is growing to follow Jesus so we're on the same road. Here, the first way you can do this is intellectually. Any good teacher presents ideas about the world and you have to decide whether you're gonna follow that teacher, right? We even use that language. Are you gonna follow that teacher intellectually or not? Are you gonna accept their vision of the world or are you gonna choose your own vision or the one that comes from the news anchor that you like the best? Which is it gonna be? Imagine for a moment that you're there in the first century and here comes an orator standing and a crowd gathers in the open air and this person starts to talk about life. And you hear it, and as you hear it, you think, you know, I'd never thought about life like that before, but now that I hear it put that way, I like that. They begin to paint a picture of the way to think about the the world that you've never considered. And as you hear it, you think that is so compelling. I want to think like that. That's the right way to think about it. It never occurred to me until right now. That's the right way to think. When Jesus taught, he did that. And when he invited people to come and follow him, he was inviting them to choose to put their own intellectual ideas beside his and let his win out. And if you're going to follow Jesus, that's what, We're gonna do. We're gonna let Jesus' thinking control our way of thinking. That's the first way you can follow a teacher metaphorically. Here's a second way. You can follow a teacher morally. Now, do not think like we've been accustomed to think. That moral uh, stuff is like the two or three things that people like to fight about most and and get the most attention in the news. That's not uh, what it means to follow someone morally. It means to adopt not just their way of thinking, but their way of acting in the world. And morals are the way that you choose to use your time and your energy, your resources, the way you choose to use your words. All of that is about your moral vision for the world. Jesus came and he presented a vision for how we should conduct ourselves morally that was different than the, the common wisdom and the accepted wisdom. And when he invited these folks to, to come along to see him, he was inviting them to see his moral vision and choose, are you gonna have his or is it gonna be the most persuasive TV show that you've watched? Which is it going to be? You've heard it said, Jesus would say, that you should love your enemies, excuse me, hate, uh, love your neighbors and hate your enemies, but I say love your enemies. That's what Jesus said. That's a, 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 a contrast to the ordinary way of carrying yourself morally through the world. Imagine a master saying to a servant, this is what I'm asking you to do. When the servant says, I'll do it, that servant has chosen to follow that, teacher that master morally that's a second way Jesus invited people to follow him and grow in that way here's a third way this one's less um, widely known but it also is true that you can follow a a teacher affectionately you can follow a master with your heart rather than just with your mind and with your actions Uh, you know there were moments where Jesus presence was so magnetic and so beautiful that the hearts of men and women who there were in his presence went out to him in such a way that if everything else in the world was holding them back, their heart would so draw them to him that they would go with him to the ends of the earth because he was just that magnetic. I hope that some of you have had that experience somewhere in your past with Jesus. That moment where it wouldn't even seem like too much to say, I love him. I just love him. His vision for how to think, his moral way of being in the world is so excellent to me that I love him and my heart is drawing me to him as if an invisible force has gripped me at the center of me and pulled me after him. Jesus, when he said, follow me, was asking not only for people to follow him with their minds and with their actions, but also with their hearts. That is a third part of what we hope for when we say we want to grow. If you've never had that experience of Jesus, I want to tell you that my aim leading up to Easter is to so show you Jesus that you fall in love with him and you want to throw yourself at him, not just with your mind, but I want that, and not only with your actions, I want that too, but also with your heart. I really hope for that. Because what we're going to be about is gathering to see him, growing to follow him, and all for this third thing, we are going to go to show Jesus, and we see that in the story as well. If you come back one more time, with me to the text. Uh, You'll notice that in verse 20, uh, excuse me, in verse 19, when Jesus asks them to follow him, he also makes them a promise. And this is where he says, I will make you fish for people. Okay, so they have their part. They're supposed to follow him. Now Jesus is telling them what he is going to do if they'll do their part. If they follow him, he will make them fish for people. Got it? Does that seem weird to you? It should seem a little strange. Uh, once again, it's the distance in time between us and them that, that obscures what Jesus is after here. Uh, these men would have grown up, like uh, the rest of the folks there, learning about God's ways with his people Israel. And do you know all of them would have heard this when they were growing up? They would have heard this. That one of the reasons life is so hard for us is that we're far away from God. Whether they accepted it or not, that would have been a part of Israel's history, understanding that there were times where their distance from God made their life correspondingly miserable. The closer they were to God, the better it was. The further they got, the harder life became. This is how they understood the exile. They were far from God in their their ideas, in their morals, in their hearts, and therefore, life was a miserable affair for them, and they all knew it. But there there were men who, spoke on God's behalf. You've heard of the word prophets, maybe. Some of you will know the Hebrew scriptures well enough to know the names of the prophets. Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah especially, they were exceptionally gifted in describing in poetic terms what it's like for a person who's far away from God and how good it would be for them if only they would come close to God again. Uh, I bet these images work with you even if you don't believe in God. Has life ever felt like a desert to you? Nothing's growing, everything's dry and dead. Imagine this promise, one day there'll be a river of living water that comes right into that desert and turns it into an oasis, a garden. Have you ever felt like you're utterly alone and just wasting away? Here's a poetic image. God will deliver you and put you in an inhabited town where your heart can be open to others who are there with you and you will grow like a wildflower. Imagine thorns infesting the ground and those thorns turning into the most beautiful and fragrant and delicate white flower that anyone can ever imagine away in the wilderness, deliverance from the tempest. All of these are the poetic images that the prophets use for what God would one day do. Jeremiah looking at the people of God and how far away they were from, were from God in, in Jeremiah chapter 16 listened and God said, listen now tell the people that I'm about to gather them up again and bring them back into the land that I promised to them. Whatever you know about God, please listen now. God's heart is to bring people close to him so that they would have the love and the truth and the grace and the power that they were made for. And Jeremiah said to the people, God's about to gather you up again. This is in Jeremiah 16. And then in order to cast a very apropos image of what the ingathering gathering would look like, Jeremiah says, and this is in verse 16, I am sending for many fishermen, says the Lord, and they shall catch them. So already when these fishermen are at work, they know that they have a job which literally makes them the kind of people that Jeremiah would, had envisioned many, many generations earlier. They were at work gathering in and now Jesus comes and says, do you remember that old promise that came from the prophet all those years ago? It's going to come true and the way it's gonna come true is when you let me gather you so that you see me. And then when you choose to go on exactly the same road that I go on so that you grow to follow me, when you do that, Jesus was saying to these ordinary fishermen, you are going to be the way that ancient divine promise finally comes true so that the people who are still miserably far away from God come near to him. And now I'm talking about you, okay? Every one of you. God wants you to come close so that you can see Jesus. And he wants you to see Jesus so you will follow Jesus. And he wants you to follow Jesus so that you become the way God brings other people who are miserably far from him back to himself for their own good. And now I'm talking about us all together. This is where we're going in this year, okay? Time for our faces up from the cell phones. We are going to gather together to see Jesus. Everywhere we gather, that's gonna be beneath it. It doesn't have to be on the surface every time, but it's always gonna be beneath it. We're gathering together to see Jesus. We are going to grow to follow him. I am going to try my best in this year as are the rest of the staff to create opportunities for you to gather, not just here, but in other places so that you grow to follow him. And then our growth is gonna be in every single way aimed at becoming people who show Jesus so that those who far come near. Will you come with me? I hope by Easter I get a stronger yes from you. (laughs) Let's pray together, friends. God, I thank you for this time to be with each other. I thank you that you are the one who in Jesus shows us the way it works, that you go out and you gather people in. We thank you that you gathered us here. Uh, We thank you also that when we meet together to listen and to observe Jesus, that you cause us to grow. I ask that for having spent this time with each other, each one of us would have grown to follow you better, to let our minds be shaped by you, our actions be determined by you, and our hearts be captured by you. And then, God, I ask that for having been like this together, you would send us out so that we would go into the world in a way that would show you to others. Lastly, God, I thank you that this morning we get to be a part of the decision of one young man to be baptized. Oh, we are so grateful that we get to witness this. God, would you please pour your spirit out as we gather together around these waters to which you invite all of us, so that as this one young man is baptized, you would Remind each one of us who has already been claimed by you in baptism what you call us to. And then, so you would inspire those of us who haven't taken this step yet to choose to come to these waters and to receive your gift. We pray for this in Jesus' name.